Hey guys, this is Mark Owings, and I'm your host for the Unbridled Life Podcast, where we have real, raw, and unreligious conversation to encourage and challenge men and women in their daily lives. Well, welcome to the Unbridled Life Podcast. I don't think I've ever been this excited. I get to do this podcast with my beautiful 22-year-old daughter, Ellie Grace Owings. Thanks for being on the podcast, baby. Uh, Of course. I'm super excited to be here and just get to share a little bit of my story. You've got an incredible, unique story. I love it and got to be a part of it and you're part of mine and it's blended in. Tell us a little bit about you. You're a college student. Where are you going to school and what do you study? So I go to Texas A&M University, Whoop, class of 2024. I graduate in May. And I'm studying leadership with a minor in neuroscience. That's an interesting degree. I, it's not what I expected to do. I started as pre-nursing, wanted to go the medical route for as long as I can remember. And Mm. one summer I came home and the Lord just redirected my steps. And he does that. He does. And now I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I am thinking, uh, ministry and potentially get my master's in clinical clinical counseling. Well, it's because your dad needs it. We need a counselor in the family <laughs> so you can get us all straight, baby. No, as far as I can remember, Ellie Grace, since we Ellie is adopted, uh, if you can't tell, we look just alike. And I say that we say that as a joke all the time to people who don't get it. But uh, as long as mom and I could remember, you wanted to be a a doctor. You wanted to deliver babies. And I remember when you were at college and you just, but you were in the middle of the the COVID crisis and everything shutting down. And I, I remember the shift, but knowing in my heart, wow, I can see her in ministry and I can see her in counseling. So we're super proud of you. Thank you. It's, and it's just encouraging to know that wherever I go, I'm going to be doing ministry. I'm going to be proclaiming the gospel and leading people to Christ. It's just <laughs> Pretty, pretty fun. It is fun. Well, I've been waiting for this a long time. Uh, we talked to mom. We talked me and you, and we decided, oh, man, I'm already getting emotional. Holy cow, uh, that we we would do this together. Uh, I think mom thought she would just completely fall apart. Maybe I'd fall apart, too. I know Bubba doesn't want to be a part of this because he, he would be a racket on the floor. But we have a unique relationship. Um because we, we spend a lot of time together. We hunt, we fish, uh, we walk, we do pickleball, we do all kinds of crazy stuff together. But the journey, just to set the background for Ellie and our family, is Leslie and I were a young family. And just like every young family, I literally, you know, had it planned out that, like, I, I definitely wanted to be a dad. I wanted four kids. And, uh, and I knew I wanted to adopt and mom's only prerequisite was, okay, let's have two babies, let's get it down. And then let's tackle that. I was like, okay, all right. So that was the plan. The first time we got pregnant, we lost that baby in a miscarriage and we didn't lose her. She's in heaven. Uh, but they call it a loss. It's a miscarriage. And then, then the second time we got pregnant, we had Tucker, which was a blessing. He's a miracle baby. We didn't know it at the time. We had some chromosomal defects going on. And the next time we got pregnant, mom, we didn't know it, six months into this, uh, the baby's heart deteriorated, and we lost that baby. Mom was heartbroken, and I was heartbroken. 
I didn't believe anything or anyone would ever comfort me again in that area until I saw you. Then I knew. And we went on a crazy two-year journey. We started this process. We began to call her Ellie Grace Owings by name. She wasn't even born yet. It took us two years before we could get to China. We fly over to China, and I had been a pillar. Mom was very emotional during that time. So mom got to a point. We had been waiting for two years, and she kind of threw a fit with the Lord in, in your bedroom. She said, I put all this together. I've been waiting. Where are you? And just started crying. And she said, I'm about ready to give up. I don't think you're going to be faithful. And the next day, the picture came. And then it happened really rapid. I think we were ready and going to China in the next month. We get to China, and they were going to bring you the next day. And at 11.30 p.m. at night in China, Nanjing, China, the phone rang, and I picked it up, being a pillar, and I was like, hello? And we bring you a baby to you? They, they had that Asian deal, not making fun, but just said, we bring you a baby? And I fell apart and handed the phone to mom. And mom coordinated it, and we're all standing there at the door. Tucker was dead asleep. Your brother. I've heard this story a lot. Yeah. And so when we said your sister's coming, he bounced. It's like he resurrected from the dead, bounced on his feet, and started jumping up and down on the bed. She's coming. She's coming. She's coming. So they open the door, and in comes Ellie Grace. These were our first moments with you. And it was unbelievable. But I remember one part of this, just because we, you have a lot of questions as an adoptive parent, and if you're out there as an adoptive parent, like, are we going to love them like we love uh, the children that were born from our flesh? 100%. I tell Tucker, you were born in mom's belly. That one was born in our hearts. So they're incubated in two different places. But, I, you know, you just don't know. We've never done it, and you've certainly never been adopted, but... They hand you to mom, they hand you to me, and they hand you to Tucker, and we have all these great moments. It's too many to explain. But I remember watching the lady from the orphanage that took care of you and her little lip quivering because she's about to give you away. And she, in her mind, she may never, ever see you, and there's not a likelihood she'd see you again. And you were in mom's arm, and she reached out for you. And when you did, you looked at her, smiled, and then turned your back on her and laid your head on mom's shoulder. And it was almost as if you were saying, thank you so much, but that part of my life is over. I'm now with my family. So there's the story of setting this up. From my part, tell us your part of this yeah. story. So I get a lot of questions from a lot of people every every nail salon every <laughs> there you go today always just look at me and go you're so lucky <laughs> they do that they every don't really understand time. adoption they're like what if you want to go back and live with your mom and i'm like that's not gonna happen yeah we don't we don't know where mom is um but i get a lot of questions and a lot of people ask about my birth mom and my birth story and you know growing up as like an American right. in American school system in yeah. elementary school that everyone's like 
oh, what time were you born? What time in place? What hospital? And it was always a conversation I wasn't really able to partake in. Um, where, so tell the listeners, where, where were you born and where were you found? So we don't know where I was born. Mm. I was found at a bus stop um, in Huayan, China. Mm. And they estimated my birthday based on my umbilical cord. So even my birthday is sometimes like a, it's a fun thing, but sometimes it brings up this, Mm. oh, like 22 years ago now, what was happening? Was I born? Was I not? You know, was was it a day earlier? Mm. Was it a day later? Um, But we still get to celebrate the fact that. You get to celebrate, but you don't know for sure. Yeah. The date. Yeah. So it's interesting. And so just, I always start my testimony with, I was raised in a Christian home, but I wasn't born and I was adopted. But Mm. my story starts long before that. I was adopted. And um, just like we're not, we don't share DNA. We don't share DNA with Christ apart from him. Mm -hmm. And I think adoption has given me a very tangible um, view and just tangibleness of the gospel um, mm. that even though we don't sh- we didn't originally share DNA with Christ because of the fall in the garden, sure. we have been brought near. And I have Ephesians three no one three through seven, and oh. it says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ." who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Mm. And so I see that, and I'm like, yeah, of course we're adopted. Because (laughs) out of y'all's, y'all adopted me and chose to love me out of y'all's pleasure and will. And so it just, it Mm. so clearly aligns with, our adoption of Christ that we are able to come to his table as a son or a daughter mm-hmm. um, and receive the blessing that he's given us, us which is life. And um, just kind of going back to the, um, the adoption story and birth mom, a lot of people, I think adoption is one of the most un- misunderstood thing of this cult of our culture today for sure um and a lot of people like to focus on the abandonment or just you're so lucky Mm. um i do not like that every time i hear it but i get to see it as the lord's blessing and favor and hand over my life and over y'all's too for sure and uh, i i like to explain it to people i'm like i don't look at my birth mom as the villain of the story i look at her as the hero like she is without it people are like who's your hero and it's my birth mom because she was able to show me that christ-like love and giving up her own desires because i can't imagine having a 
carrying a baby for nine months and the government says you can't keep them. Mm. And the society in that time looked down on little girls and the shame that it brought on my birth family. And But she was still able to push past that and focus on what was best for me. And I look at her as my hero because she set down her desires mm. so that I could live potentially live a good life. Oh, my gosh. And look at me today. And I just, I can't thank the Lord enough. God, it's so crazy to hear you talk. Though I live with you, I'm with you a lot. I, I don't think I've heard this part of the story or been there as you've developed your testimony at college and sharing this. It's interesting. Like I've heard parts of it, but I, I want the viewers and listeners to know that, you know, um, at that time, you had two options. If you already had a baby, you can give and have a little girl. Um, because of the way society was built, it was built on a boy because a boy takes care of the family. That is their backup plan for the, for the parents. And there wasn't much value put on daughters. So you either abort or give away. And what became apparent to us is that she could have taken the easy route, but she loved Ellie so much. Wai Ching is her name uh, in Chinese, and we don't know what it means, and, and we don't know if that was given. We don't know if there was any notes. We don't. I don't know any of that. Um, but we do know this, that God had a divine plan, a predestination for us that I knew in my heart. Ellie was always my daughter. And it's, it's weird. I know Tucker's mine, but I have more confidence that you're mine than because I didn't get to participate in the birth process. As a man, I didn't birth Tucker out of my body, but you were definitely birthed out of my heart, birthed out of mom's heart, Tucker's heart. And I'm so proud of how you take Scripture and, and bring that to life. Like adoption is part of the kingdom. And I don't think if you're listening here, listen, if you're a Gentile and you're not a Jew, you got adopted. You got adopted. And we all got adopted after the fall, right? Yeah. But you just take it in such a cool light. What are some of the things that people ask you that that you don't know how to answer? Is there some of that? Because oh, it's this... People aren't educated, mm -hmm. they don't know, and it's their first encounter with adoption. I think, I mean, the would you go back and live with your mom always throws <laughs> me off. I'm like, <laughs> what? You're just going to chunk us and go back? <laughs> Never. Um, but I think I always get a lot from, especially friends, I get, is it okay if I'm asking this? Even mm. um, just even family being like, am I going too far? And I'm like, no, like I love to talk about it. I love to educate people. Um, I think there's some things that I'm like, people ask, oh, are you going to go back? And I always act like, I always answer with like, I would love to one day. And they're like, oh, why haven't you? And I'm like, well, if I'm being completely honest, I don't want to face the fear. Mm. I'm scared. <laughs> Sure. And I think there's this part of me that I have this imagination of what I think it's going to be like. Mm. And I don't want to face it and it 
be different different and not because in my mind i'm thinking about this like going back to china and seeing my orphanage and it just being this like La-di-da. Like the movie Tangled is <laughs> some great thing. I'm singing, I'm dancing. And like, I just, I think there's a part of me that's scared to face it and to be disappointed um, exactly. and to get, either get an answer that I didn't want mm-hmm. or not get an answer at all. So what's, what are some of the answers that you could get that would be, that would scare you? Probably a lot of my questions have been about my birth mom and not being able to find her or finding that she passed away Mm. or um, finding, I don't know, just some things that would limit me being able to meet her or because that's always been a dream of mine, which is very, very rare, Mm. Um, but um, I've always dreamed about finding a cousin or finding a sibling or aunt or uncle, you know, and just going and being disappointed when if that doesn't happen or if just knowing what's out there is scary. It is, and I think we all face that in some reality. You don't have to go through adoption to go through that, but I think adoption is such a unique view, and I only have one side of the view. Uh, that some of the things that people have said to us that I just cock my head at it because I don't know what to do with it is like, well, you you don't want to ever allow her to meet them because what if she went back and then wouldn't talk to you? <laughs> like, well, I, I literally don't know what to say, and mom doesn't either. You know, we try to explain we're gracious and just like, we have 22 years. We're not threatened by that. As a matter of fact, we celebrate that. And so we did some ancestry stuff and 23andMe or whatever it's called. And uh, we kind of struck out there. But it's always been our hope that some way, somehow, this is going to be a connection back. And this is, um, I've never heard you talk about your dad. And we've talked about this. What do you think about your dad? Honestly, I don't think about him much. And I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if it's because, like, I'm a woman, and so I understand the feelings of a woman. Wow. And being a mom, potential, hopefully, Lord yes. willing, one day. Yes. Um, and, like, just the feelings that go into so that. So that's easier for you to connect with. Yeah. For sure. One of my hearts is ours that maybe, maybe you get both or all of it, and... And no matter what journey we're going to go on, you know, we've been asking you since we, we planned at 12 and you weren't ready and at 18, not ready. And now you're at college and whenever you're ready, you're ready. And so for adoptive parents out there, we don't, we don't push that. She sets the pace for the race and we just ask questions. And so a lot of people ask us too, is what do you do when she does bring up? And we, I don't know if I could emotionally get through this, but uh, we have always been super grateful for your mother. And people always want to put biological in there. I'm thinking, no, she was her mother. Leslie is her mama. And we get a share in both of that. I'm not threatened by the dad, but I think they're both heroes to me too. And 
And those are the things we believed and told you, and we've continued to pray for them. Um, the other question we got is, how did you tell her? And so I've been really surprised. Like, I met a couple that were white. I mean, white crackers. It's a, you know, and they had a Chinese baby girl, and she was 12, and they haven't told her. I was like, well, she knows. <laughs> You know, you better. Surely. Yeah. and But it makes it awkward. And I think people, when they face the fear of disappointment or the unknown, as an adoptive parent, we can shut down too and not want to bridge or ask because tears start flowing. And then we think that we've broke something. We haven't broke anything that God created us to communicate. He communicates to us and writes to us and loves us and speaks to us through the Spirit. But you and I had a story growing up. And I started this um, uh, since I got her home from China. I think I'd tell her every day. And then Bubba would tell her the story, and Mama would tell her the story. So before she's speaking, we got her at 10 and a half months. I remember you started drinking milk for the first time because they had you on rice milk, which is just rice, rice. water. <laughs> right. And your teeth just started coming in, and I remember feeding you, and everything I put in your mouth was met with it was like E.T. It was like, oh, everything was so good. But do you remember the story? Yeah. Should we do it with me? Of course. So I would tell Ellie, once upon a time, there was a mom and dad and a little boy. And God spoke to them and said, your daughter is on this earth. You need to go find her. So we would listen in the wind and we could hear, We looked all over the United States and every state. She was not to be found. So we put our ear to the air and we said, where is she? And we heard, so we got on a plane and we traveled to a far, far land. We landed in a place called China. We got off the plane and we listened and we heard the little girl, we made our way to a castle that had no doors, and we looked up, and Mama, Daddy, and Brother said, Dad, climb up to the window. So the Dad climbed up, up the castle, castle wall, up the castle wall, and looked in through the window, and what did he see? Me! <laughs> so the Daddy took the little girl, Ellie Grace, and put him on her back and tied her hands so she wouldn't fall off, and down the castle wall we went, down the castle wall. The mom was so excited, and the daddy gave the little girl to the mom. The mom celebrated the little girl. Baba celebrated the little girl, and daddy celebrated. We lived happily ever after, and that's the story I would tell her. Of course, not with all the tears. We'd just stare, <laughs> and she would just stare at me. Ellie, do you remember, do you even have any recollection when the story connected? No, I actually include this part in my testimony because a lot of people, as I'm sharing it, they're like, how did they tell you? How <laughs> did your parents handle you being adopted? And it's just always, y'all were just super open mm -hmm. and just open to any conversation that I wanted to talk about. And there was never, like, a moment that I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm adopted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think just growing up, it was just, like, 
I knew, like, from the the time that I, like, was able to understand that, I understood that I was adopted, and I understood that I'm not like other people, and I'm a little different, and, but also growing up knowing the gospel and knowing grace, I understood, like, oh, wow, I think I remember probably seven, eight was the period of time where it hit me where I was like, oh my gosh, I could be dead. I could be across the planet, but I'm here. Wow. And it was the first time like little friendship drama was happening. That's a whole nother story. But um, it was the first time that I was like, oh, wow. Like I should not be here. Yeah, so you you got to experience the celebration of that moment, but you also I'm going to tell the story and and not on someone, you know, um, we we had talked about racism, you know, because I believe that you know racism is is all over the place and comes out of all of us in some form or fashion, white, black, brown, whatever. And uh, but a little girl told you that she didn't have to play with you because you were Chinese, and I remember sitting at the dinner table and. Uh, mom said I turned 10 shades of red and my first thought was I never thought about beating up an eight-year-old little girl but I'm thinking about it right now and I just shared my emotions and Ellie shared hers and mom and Bubba and we prayed mm-hmm. and we forgave her we didn't want to I wanted to push her down the <laughs> stairs but with you know, the choices you forgive what was it like because you went to schools you're Chinese you look different you were painfully shy as a little girl. Um, you were an observer. You were bright. You were a smile, but you didn't use a lot of words, and words came later. Was there some trauma in adjusting and knowing? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think I'm still just recently walking through this mm. and just now starting to realize, like, oh, maybe there is some things that I haven't realized that happened to me when I was – three days old, Mm. you know, and it was, I was at, I'm in a small group at my church in college station. And it the question was, what's been repetitive for you lately? And the question was referring to what has God been repeating to you? And I was like, if I'm being completely, completely honest, I feel like I've heard the enemy more than I've heard the Lord lately. It's honest, baby. And just feel like, I am putting a lot of my worth in people, and that is a trend throughout my whole life. Mm. And it's just, oh, I'm too quiet. I'm too this. I'm too that. There's something about me or something lacking in me that people don't like. And so I need to change or there's just something fundamentally wrong. And so throughout my journey of 22 years, it's like it gets better, and I'm like, I know who I am. Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? My mm. earth, The earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so I'm like, yes, I know that I'm content. <laughs> All I need is the Lord. I Got don't it. need people, and then I'll fall back. <laughs> and in that moment, I was like, I should be better. I should know that I'm chosen. I should know out of all people, I was adopted. I was <laughs> the one that the Lord chose. Why? Am I not getting this? And there's a 
woman in my small group, Ashby, and she said, I, Ellie, I think this has been here longer than you think. Mm. And this is a, a tactic that the enemy knows he can use. <laughs> and so in that moment, I was just like, oh, and figuring out like, oh, I was in an orphanage for 10 months before I came to y'all. Ten and, and a half months. Ten and yeah. a half months. And so in that, I was like, okay, so I need to, like, there's something there. That the so you got to embrace that, you know, and, and walk that journey. And I, I love watching you face this journey because I think you're so courageous. And I know you've been scared. Uh, but being, being brave and being scared and doing it anyway. And that's what I see. You're a badass to me. And I don't mind saying that. You straight up are my hero um, in the way that you face things, in the way that you love. But I know it's also been painful. Um, we've experienced all kinds of stuff. There's a situation that happened with you when you were in school that you got alienated. You were Chinese, different, and quiet. and But it altered and hurt and caused pain. And you didn't have a voice back then. And we waited for the voice. But I think as you're facing this, it shows me that I'm not alone Mm. because when you're saying that, and I think people are listening, you don't have to go through an adoption to think that something's fundamentally wrong with you. Mm. Your daddy has had that voice in the back of his ear since I can remember. Something's broke. You're too strong. You're too loud. You're a bull in a china shop, whatever it is. And I don't know what yours is that speaks to you, but I love how you were honest. It's like, I should get it out of all people. I was rescued. But it just, it's time and it's a process, right? For sure. And I think I was, for a long time, I've lived in this mindset of shame Mm -hmm. of I should, I should, I should, instead of walking and receiving the blood that was already shed for me. And yes, I probably have some unhealthy attachment habits that I either, I either attach really hard and need security and need affirmation or I detach and I don't feel and I just avoid and wallow and (laughs) so it's just like all my life it's been like why do I do this and just in the past three months probably it's been like oh there's a deeper reason and it's like made me feel a little less crazy that's good, Al. But it's also realizing, like, I can't sit here and be like, oh, I'm just adopted and this is just my story. But, like, no, I am I get to be here on this podcast sharing my story, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And I get to talk to people that whether you were adopted or not, you are not an orphan anymore. Mm-hmm. You're a son. You're a daughter. And you get to walk in that because Jesus already paid for it. Like, stop. Just sitting around acting like something you're not because he's already done everything needed and he has the Holy Spirit inside of all of us so that we get to call back to his character that we've seen in our lives. And that's just something the Lord's been teaching me a lot of. I was here in these specific moments. Why would I be any different right now? Mm. Ellie, I think you challenge all of us. Uh, and I'm sure it's just from such a different perspective, but uh, I love that, you know, we move from should 
um, to to inviting God. It's not it's not a score, and I think that's something that's really challenged you in your twenty two years that you looked at it as a score. You're either moving up or moving down, mm-hmm. and uh, you can tend towards the perfectionist. So tell the people that what do you do with perfection? You know, because I've had to tell you since you're a little girl, LA Grace, who is the only perfect one? And how would you answer? Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't have to be perfect. But how do you recognize it? And then what do you do to shift out of that now when you're in it? Yeah. And this is really something the Lord has been working on my heart in the last, like really working in the last couple of months. And it really has been um, just locking eyes with the king. Mm. Um, And because I think I get so busy and I'm looking at everything else, every podcast, every um, influence, Christian influencer or devotional or church or anything that's like him, but not him. Wow. And the Lord being like, just look at, come sit with me, come to my table and come dine with me and commune with me. And I'll show you the way to go. I'll be with you and I'll speak to you because I speak to you. And I think there's a lot, especially in my town that I'm in right now, there's a lot of I'm going to hit this mark. I'm going to serve this much so that I can be a good Christian. Wow. And I think I've, I'm going into college. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find my people and I'm going to find my community that, all this stuff and just the way life goes, I gave in and I found this mediocre Christianity where I was like, I can read my Bible and I can serve so that I can be close to God. But it's really the other way around. Mm-hmm. It's that you sit with the king, you sit and you dine with him and then you get to serve, then you get to share not you share so you can do this stuff. So one is religion. That's what you're saying. And one is relationship. Mm-hmm. And Ellie, I've, I've never heard you say it before that, you know, you're locking eyes with everything that looks like him and has got his stamp on there, the church and the Bible saying, some of y'all need to hear this out there. We run so hard at church and things and podcast whatever, but we forget to just come and sit and get in bed with the king or sit in daddy's lap and say, what's on your heart for me? So what is some of the things that you've heard the Lord say to you as he's comforted you Mm. in this? Yeah, I think especially lately, it's like, Ellie, look at where your feet are right now. (laughs) The people in the spaces that I've put around you right now to pour into that you're not going to be in the same city in four months. Mm. There's a lot to be done in the city, and I want you to be a part of it. And just just getting little nuggets from him has been so fun. Of um, Just laying in bed one night, seeing this picture of, like, a dad wake, waking me up, and he's like, Elliot's time, Elliot's time. I want you to be a part of it. I'm waking the city up. And so just, like, him getting to invite me into interceding for, I probably won't be in College Station forever, but I am right now, and I get to pray into it. And 
in his kindness, him showing me little glimpses of, hey, not only am I answering your prayers, but I'm going to show you how I'm answering because I love to show you and I love to give you good gifts. And so I think fighting religion and perfectionism has looked like just sitting with him and praying and seeing what intercession and um, fighting really looks like and being moved by the Holy Spirit in that because he works in all of us. Gosh, honey, you make me so proud, so proud, not because you're achieving, because you stop striving. And um, and it's going to be a journey. It is for all of us. And we can win the whole city, but if we lose the connection with him, we can go to church, we can get all the marks, we can get all the grades. You're brilliant. I had to go outside my gene pool to get intelligence because this little girl is smart. But it's not about being smart. It's, it's your heart. You are by far the kindest, most forgiving. I'm shocked. Um at the your ability to forgive, your ability to be hurt, be offended, to feel that, but to choose forgiveness and release people so fast. I'm also super proud of the journey that you're on and not going too fast trying to please us or please anyone. You're going on your own journey, and I believe someday that's going to lead us to China, and maybe I don't get to go. Maybe it's you to China. I want you to do what you want to do, but I want you to know this. Every little girl, every young lady, every young boy, every grown man needs to hear their dad and their mom say, we're so proud of you. It couldn't be any better. So I want you to do the honor. Would you you can have last words for the podcast? And would you just pray for people that may be out there, and maybe you're listening to this, and you identify, and you've got tears. It's, a, it's an incredible story because it's live, it's real, and there's so much. And I think she's going to come back on. We're going to talk about things um, at her pace. But maybe you're out there, and you're just facing you know, perfectionism. Maybe you're fa- facing expectations or fear or pride or not feeling value at all and saying, well, at least she has a reason to not feel valued. I could see where that would come in. You have your reasons, too. And if you're there, I just want you to receive these final words and final prayer from my daughter, Ellie Grace. I would love to, and thank you. I, I've i shared my story a lot in college, and it. I always tell them what you did and what you do now. You shaped me and shaped how I understand Christ and I understand the gospel and his love for us because I can come climb up in your lap and a lot of people don't get to say that and that is a blessing that I don't deserve but I get I get to freely receive it oh thank you Ellie I need to go on the record too I know I messed up a lot (laughs) and we get to talk through those things dad has messed up hadn't he yeah yeah so it's good for people to hear this I don't walk on water and I've made a lot of mistakes with my kids. My kids are really good for me because they woe me in moments of passion, and I'm so grateful for it. But Ellie, will you just pray? Jesus, I just thank you so much for just this time that we get to come and we get to talk about you and talk about my story and our story and just the way that you have promised to save us 
the Owings family. Mm. And Lord, I just pray over any listener out there um, that feels or is living as an orphan, mm. Lord, and they've given their life to you, Lord. I feel, I pray that they will remember that above everything else in this life, that you are the thing that is important. Lord, I pray that you will remind them that you did predestine, predestine them to adoption. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work inside of them so that they can live like it. Lord, would we um, take on that um, that status and come sit mm. on your throne with you in your lap, Lord? Would we just get to um, live like children mm. and the mm. highest in the kingdom are children? Lord, would we return um, and just have confidence in approaching you and, Lord, would we just continually be in awe of who you are? Lord, I pray for the one that is adopted. Lord, I pray that um, if they do or don't know you, Lord, I pray that you'll remind them they are, that they are here for such a time as this. Just like Esther, um, you have perfectly placed them in the place that they need to be. You have perfectly, perfectly placed all of us in the way, in the places the spaces around the people exactly how you wanted it to be and lord would you just remind us every day of the way that your grace relentlessly chases us down and looks us in the eye and tells us i love you i love you i love you i love you Mm -hmm. in your name amen amen boom good job baby girl Listen, you can help us on this podcast by sending me a bunch of Kleenex. No, (laughs) you can help this podcast by going to YouTube, subscribe, like, follow us on podcast wherever you listen, and share this with the story. Baby, you make my heart sing, and I love you. I love you. You're the best. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to the Unbridled Live podcast. We know your time is valuable, and we hope we bring real and relevant content that helps you live that unbridled life. If you want to help us spread the message, you can rate or review the podcast on whatever platform you like to listen to us and share it with a friend or two. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're doing, head on over to theunbridledlifepodcast.com and learn more.